Building WA, brought to you by HIA, the podcast bringing you all the latest news and insight into the residential building industry right here in Western Australia. Welcome once again to the Building WA podcast, proudly brought to you by HIA WA. Well, it's now full steam ahead for the rest of 2021. Award season is just upon us and we have the WA budget being handed down in September. And as we all know, our industry remains flat out at the moment. Activity is still high. And thankfully in WA, we haven't endured the kind of lockdowns that have been seen recently on the East Coast. And our thoughts do remain with our colleagues over East who have been and continue to be affected by lockdown. Well, today, HIA WA Executive Director Kath Hart goes one-on-one with WA Minister for Planning, Rita Safiotti. Minister Safiotti offers exclusive insight into things happening in the planning space here in WA, consequences of the pandemic and what projects were affected, discusses the much-talked-about medium density code, which we know many of our members are keen to hear more about, and touches on what's still to come as the WA budget looms closer. But before we get to that chat, here's the latest industry news. The WA government has quickly moved to start implementing some of the ideas raised at the recent skills summit, hoping to boost the state's workforce. HIA WA Executive Director Kath Hart was in attendance, along with other representatives from various sectors, to address the ongoing concerns around skill shortages in the state. Ms Hart told ABC Radio there needs to be solutions for both the short and long term. People want to live here now, but the, the challenge we always face is that you know the mining sector booms and then we need to bring workers in but we don't have enough accommodation for them and so then we end up with a FIFO workforce coming from places like Noosa. We think that if you're working somewhere in WA, you should live somewhere in WA. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to live in the mining town, but somewhere in WA. And if we can encourage people to do that and we get those settings right, then we have a more vibrant domestic economy, we have more housing supply, and we have a better pipeline of trainees and apprentices so we can supply our own workforces to those amazing projects that drive the nation. The WA government has already announced it will begin to roll out campaigns aimed at attracting interstate and New Zealand workers, with HIA supporting various measures announced, including the introduction of initiatives to help disadvantaged learner drivers obtain a driver's licence as an opportunity to mobilise a sector of the workforce. WA won a total of six awards at this year's HIA CSR Australian Housing Awards, with the virtual event taking place after recent COVID restrictions prevented the in-person event from going ahead as planned on the Gold Coast. Professional Small Builder Renovator was won by Ultimo. Project Home was won by VM Building. Georgie took out Apartment of the Year, while Kitchen Design was won by Humphrey Homes. Townhouse Villa of the Year was awarded to Perth Renovation Group and Lux Interiors won Bathroom Design Award. A big congratulations once again to all of our winners. And 18-year-old apprentice carpenter Carl Baird from Abian Training has been announced as this year's HIA Straco WA Peter Stannard Apprentice of the Year. For a full list of apprentice winners, please head to our website. And for a full recap of the night, please head to our HIA WA Facebook group. And that's the latest residential building news here in WA.
Here's Kath Hart sitting down with WA Minister for Planning, Rita Sapiotti. Rita, thanks so much for your time today. It would be remiss of me to not kick off our discussion by discussing the impact that COVID-19 has had. Can you talk us through the effect it has had on your portfolios, especially when so many construction jobs were on the line last year? Sure. Yeah, look, COVID-19, of course, has had a massive impact throughout the world. In relation to my portfolio, there's a couple of key examples of its impact. There was a very keen decision of government to try and maintain construction through the past 18 months. And it's been a real focus and we've done all we can to facilitate construction. Of course, with major projects, there have been some impacts on the supply chain and, of course, the availability of the workforce. So we've tried to manage around that. That continues to be a challenge. In respect to planning, what we really wanted to do was make sure that we put in reforms and changes to ensure that we had a good economic recovery. And as I said, back middle of last year, I think we were all expecting mass unemployment and a very deep recession. That hasn't eventuated. And one of the reasons is because we've kept the economy going. We also created some reforms as a result of COVID to allow us to streamline processes and to facilitate approvals for a range of projects, which we hope will maintain the economic recovery and economic activity for WA. You've got some stats on the number of projects that have been approved. Yeah, there's 10 projects that have been approved worth over $300 million and there's a number that are still being assessed. So we we expect over a billion dollars worth of projects at least to be approved through that pathway and there are about 70 projects where proponents showed interest and are engaging with the department. So we see a lot of activity still to come. Uh, Labor's WA election victory earlier in this year was truly remarkable. Was there ever any unfinished business from your previous team, from your portfolios? Well, absolutely. Transport, of course. A lot of roads and metronet to finish. So lots of projects to finish, and they're starting to now, in a sense, be completed. For example, in June, we finished the Bellevue rail car manufacturing facility. We're nearing completion of the Forestwood Airport line and there's a a lot of other projects that are still to be finished. So there's a lot of transport projects to be finished. And of course on planning, I think planning's a never-ending challenge of reform and change. I think you're constantly looking at how you can make the process easier, more transparent and achieve better outcomes. So planning reform is something that I felt like we did a lot the first term, but there was a lot more to be done and that's why we're doing planning reform stage two. I think more and more um, we need a more coordinated strategic approach to planning. We want to make sure that people understand the planning process, that it's simplified, and also, of course, we need to further develop around our metronet stations and create new vibrant housing precincts. That's a great intro to the next question just around the median density code. Volume 2 addresses one dwelling type in an apartment. Feedback from our members shows support for keeping the apartment code as is and with them calling to reframe Part C as a group housing only code. The future Part B could then address single housing only to cover the greenfields and include crossovers. 
Is this something that the department has explored in any depth? We're definitely seeking feedback about our proposed medium density code. That was out for advertising and we see we received a lot of feedback through associations such as yourselves about maybe the timing and not to rush it because let's face it, everyone's just going as fast as possible in the housing market to deliver what they have on their books. So we have slowed down the delivery of the medium density code to make sure that there's no not unintended consequences and that we don't limit some of the very good developments that we're seeing in greenfields in particular where we've seen some very good medium density product near parks, near activity centres and that we don't, as an unintended consequence, destroy that product. So we're very much aware of the feedback. We've slowed down the transition. We've told councils to be mindful of the existing guidelines in approvals and that will work with all the associations to make sure that the medium density code delivers the desired product which is really how we do better precinct planning or precinct development or medium density developments in existing areas. Labour shortages are something that's coming up all the time now. Our members have welcomed the smoothing out of that pipeline of major infrastructure projects as well, which will help address that. Very interested to talk a bit more about that, but also specifically whether you envisage that that may see some social housing projects develop. A couple of things. First of all, there is a significant social housing build that we are looking at at the moment as part of the budget process. But what we really want to do is make sure that we don't compete with private sector investment at the moment or crowd out private sector investment. So what we're looking at across our investment pipeline is how we can better stage our investment to continue the economic recovery post the next year or the next two years. So sustained economic recovery. So on major infrastructure, we're looking at how we can better time the delivery of that, of those projects and maybe ensure that, again, we don't compete with the private sector. In relation to housing investment, we know there's a lot of activity at the moment. So we really are looking at programs that can bring on a lot of activity in 18 months, two years' time to sustain the growth or the activity on the housing market and not compete in the next 6 to 12 months where we know there's significant heat. So what we're trying to do is, in a sense, not crowd out the private sector investment understand there is a lot of housing being constructed at the moment and the reality is our ability to deliver on new projects is impacted by the heat of the economy as I said the, the disrupted supply chains some of the skill shortages and also some of the price impacts too that are out there in the market. Has the Department of Planning or communities done any feasibility studies or audits of the current social housing stock to see if there's capability for redevelopment there. Absolutely. And there has been a subcommittee of Cabinet that includes myself, the Minister for Local Government, John Kerry, the Minister for Lands, Tony Booty. We're meeting on a weekly basis and we're looking at what we can do to further increase the availability of housing supply and also improve the quality and availability of social housing. And audits being undertaken at the moment in relation to redevelopment opportunities and also, not only in the metropolitan area, but also in regional WA, what we've heard is some of some areas in regional WA where you have a lot of really old stock that we want to try and regenerate to create new housing opportunities. And that works underway to analyse what exists and what needs to be done from both a government and maybe a council level to regenerate some of those suburbs. On a slightly different topic, but one dear to our members, 
parts. Are there any plans to bring about guidance notes for DFES for appropriate state planning policies for planning in bushfire prone areas in a way that furthers a risk-based assessment for bushfire attack level ratings as intended? We continue to work on this front in relation to how we manage bushfire risks across the community. One of the projects we did instigate in 2019 was starting to have work done on the maps that were released, I think, back in 2015. We believe those maps didn't really reflect reality, and so there's been work that's been undertaken by the CSIRO in remapping what is what would be bushfire-prone areas. That work continues at the same time, the WAPC is looking at its state planning policy too. Again, how we can work together to be far more pragmatic in how we deal with bushfire risk, in particular in areas where there is limited bushfire risk. And we've all heard those situations. They're basically, in a sense, in suburban, on the flats where nuances haven't been taken into account before, like the type of vegetation, the nature of veg- vegetation. So we continue to work on how we can better map and how our policies can provide for a more pragmatic and real approach to managing bushfire risk. I grew up in the hills. I grew up in Rollystone. I understand the nature of bushfires, bushfire risk, but I also understand that sometimes good intentions actually create significant housing problems and housing affordability problems and costs in areas which shouldn't be facing those types of costs. We were hoping you could provide a, um, a planning investigation areas assessment update and also wondering if Metro Net instituted any revisions or opened up any new opportunities. Sure. 15 planning investigation areas were identified in Perth and Peel in the frameworks. Investigations are nearly all completed in relation to the future of those planning investigation areas. That information will be released shortly. In relation to Metronet, it has opened up some new areas. In particular, the Ellenbrook Rail Line, for example, is opening up different opportunities that probably didn't exist before because the Ellenbrook Rail Line creates a new mass transit link in that northeastern corridor, which never existed. So there's opportunities that probably can now be more realised because of that new infrastructure. On top of that, we're also doing a lot of planning around the stations themselves. And we're going to be releasing a new gateway that will allow people to go in and understand the housing opportunities and the development opportunities around our train stations, in particular the new Metronet train stations, whether they be new or they be rebuilt as a result of some of our projects on the Armadale line. So these are new opportunities and I think will really help guide development not only for the next five years, but for decades to come. Just to finish up, I was wondering what your priorities will be between now and the end of the year. Planning reform, to really try and get the next stage of planning reform presented, potentially delivered, but presented, because we'll need probably legislative change. So planning reform, to see the Westport process at its next stage, to do further planning for the new port, but also on infrastructure to oversee the completion of a number of projects and also want to continue the planning of new housing developments. I'm going to say one of the exciting things has been working with Minister Carey and Minister Booty about social housing and how we can 
facilitate new housing precincts and developments on government-owned land, and that's something that we'll see a lot more of, as in ideas or proposals by the end of this year. Once again, a big thank you to Minister Safiotti for giving up her time to give our members a bit of an update about what is happening in the planning space. I'm sure all of our listeners involved in the residential building industry will have got a lot from that. And we certainly appreciate all the information that we are able to put forward with you all. Well, this is the first of more to come in terms of interviews with our ministers. So if you have any questions for future guests, we welcome all of your input. Please keep an eye on your social media channels and regular e-news updates from HIA for the latest on events, safety reminders, economic data and much, much more. But if any of you are listening and are not an HIA member or know someone involved in the industry who is also not a member, if you sign up between now and the 31st of October, you'll receive an exclusive offer for an all-in-one business management tool built specifically for renovation and design professionals. So all you have to do is contact the HIA WA membership team. You can email WA underscore membership at HIA.com.au. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to your company next time on Building WA.